Well, you might know it's 11.25. And so I had Tiffany do some of the three things. It's because I talk a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so it was killing me, but I thought, you know what? I'm going to have her do a couple of things. See, because it's just 11.25, and I got, I got like two hours now to preach. We try different things. We try, we're trying, we're trying. So, yes. And I miss Judy. I don't know. I'll call her as soon as I can. All right. So, um, I'm not done with the Holy Spirit, I'll tell you that. But, um, I'm going to be talking about my Father's Day sermon, which is more about the men of battle. And so I want you to see, as we're in this time of our lives and in these days of life, that we can be more than conquerors, not just men, but all of us. That we can look at some of the great people of the Bible and look at their lives and what they went through and how we can go through. So I'm going to start with Paul, who used to be Saul. What a remarkable man this, this is. You're talking about a transformation. Saul, who was very learned, um, a Jewish man who wanted his, he had a passion of hate, a passion for murder. He wanted to kill the Christians. And he seemed to, uh, to put a life plan in place to do it. Isn't it remarkable how we can all change? We can all change at any time of our life with God's help. We don't, you know, we all, of course, are made of all kinds of things, you know, from our heritage and from our bringing up and our DNA and et cetera, et cetera. But that doesn't give us an excuse to always stay that way, especially if it's not right. People use a lot of excuses. Let's look at the if these people had any excuse. Paul the evangelist, an apostle, who went through more pain and suffering in this life for Christ. Who did more than Paul? I can't think of anyone who suffered more for Jesus' sake than Paul did. Listen to what he endured in 2 Corinthians. Turn. 2 Corinthians 11. Get to 2 Corinthians 11. 23 through 28. Let me tell you again, I will. 2 Corinthians 11. Are they servants of Christ 
I am out, I am out of my mind to talk like this. I am more, I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false brothers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I've been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. That says a lot about him right now, Dad. I can tell you my first shipwreck, my first beating, I would have went to wherever and said, thanks for the job that I quit. No two weeks notice. Immediately, had a good time, praise the Lord, let somebody else do it. And he was worried about the church. And so it says how he was imprisoned and lashed and stoned and shipwrecked. This, and then his brother was his fellow Jews. This was all because Paul was not ashamed. Luke 9.26, this makes him one of the greatest men of the Bible. John the Baptist. Jesus said about John that among men born of women, there was none greater than John. Matthew 11.9. This was one about whom it is written, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. Matthew eleven ten. John was not afraid of being politically incorrect. And apparently he was not sent to make friends and influence people, <laughs> but to speak the truth and prepare the way for Jesus Christ. That's not easy nowadays, is it? I can honestly tell you that I despise with a vengeance this politically correct, incorrect, and there's nothing that makes me go crazier than when people say that offended me. How many times have we been offended in our life? I don't have enough fingers or toes. And yes, some of it is wrong. Yes, there were times in my life that I was yelled at by bosses or mistreated by, you know, or whatever. And those things offended me because they were wrong. But when everything offends us because I don't like the blue bathroom, I want it green. And when they, um, the waiter isn't fast enough and this isn't fast enough and this isn't fast enough, we've become absolutely fake. 
we have become people who've got to have our way every second or we're a fail. Wow, wow, and don't <laughs> I'm serious. That's making us all, that's bondage. When everything bothers me and I can't handle that and I don't like that and that hurts my feelings, what the heck? We've got to be stronger than that. Yes, there's a ton of things that I don't like. There are millions of things that I think I don't like about a lot of things. But I've got to get to the place through Jesus that I can overcome some of the baby stuff. And if things don't aren't fast enough, I hate I hate it when, you know, I hate it when somebody hurries for me or they run. I, I, I always that makes me feel bad. I want I don't ever want anyone to feel pressured by me. And we make people feel like if they don't do things just right, it's ruined our lives. And he spoke the truth and prepared the way for Jesus Christ. On one occasion, John said to the crowds coming out to be baptized by him, I love this, you brought a vipers. And you know we can be fruit smellers. I think he smelled some fruit, and he saw these people coming, wanting to be baptized, and he saw some evil stuff. You brought a vipers. Who, who warned you to flee from coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance, and do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children of Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the tree. And every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Did you get that part? If we don't produce the good fruit, it will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Luke 3, 7 to 9 says, Can you imagine calling out to the crowds while they were coming to him to be baptized? You brought a vipers. That took great courage. Well, he was just saying, you know, sometimes the truth's the truth and we can't speak it. John even told the King Herod that it's not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. And he ended up losing his head for it. But he stood for the truth. <clears throat> Abraham faithful. Who was more faithful than Abraham? He was willing to sacrifice his own, his own son in order to be obedient to God. This was the son of promise too. So how hard this must have been. He also left his own city, nation of Ur, leaving the rest of his family, his friends, his security, and all that he knew to go to a place he had never been to, or seen, or heard about. He was willing to do this as an act of faith and obedience. I have a feeling that Abraham had been talking to God and had that faith already built up. So he knew God 
even though he was going somewhere, he didn't know where he was going, then he believed that God would show him how to get there. And that it was the right thing to do and that it would be better. See, if God tells us, I want you, puts on our hearts the Holy Spirit, I want you to do that. He isn't going to take you to the cliff to fall off. Mm -hmm. He's going to take you to the place of safety and for your better and for his promises of your future. But see, we got to get, see, we got to get that relationship with the Lord that when he says, now listen, I'm giving you 12 hours to pack all that stuff and leave all the other stuff from your garages there. And I want you to be ready to go. And I'll tell you how to get there. Are you kidding? I gotta call two men in a truck. <laughs> but he knew his God. He was willing to do this as an act of faith and obedience. When we act on faith, when we can't even see the promises of we are justified by this faith as those who believe in Christ, whom they have not seen to receive the ultimate promise of eternal life, that they have not yet possessed. That's why we come to church. That's why we fellowship. That's why we read our Bible. That's why we're, we're, we're trying to get stronger in the faith. Because this isn't our home. Praise God. This isn't our home. We're passing through. No matter how long we live, it's going to be short as a vapor. But where I end up is forever. So I've got to do some preparation. My preparation is daily. Now, I know a few people who have made it into heaven on their deathbed. Few moments before they, they died, they accepted Jesus, and the scripture says they made it in. Now, their rewards will be different. But why take the chance? Why not get prepared for my home goal? And so that is why Abraham is in the Hall of Faith in Hebrews 11. Our faith is only as strong as the object of our faith, and that is Jesus Christ. You and I cannot do anything without Jesus. We can have faith one day and not faith the next. We can be up, we can be down, we can be discouraged, we can be hopeful. But through Jesus, he can help sustain us. Moses the meek. <coughs> it is said of Moses that he was the meekest and most humble man on the face of the earth. Numbers 12, 3. But that doesn't mean he was weak. I like it. Meekness is not weakness, but strength under control. For it was by faith Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents. 
By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. You know, that wasn't easy, was it? That's like filet mignon or hot dog. <laughs> or how about, uh, what's that, sardines in a can with mustard or something? Mm. Yuck! My dad loved that. <laughs> it didn't matter even if it came from big lots or odd lots, and it was like 10 years old. He was <laughs> slurping it down. That, you sardine lovers, God love ya. I had one once, and that was it. <laughs> Lord. And so, by faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king. For he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. Now, God told Moses what to do. He was a prophet. He was their prophet. He was their man who got a point. What happens? What would happen if Moses hadn't thought that's and hadn't told them, or if they hadn't obeyed and did it? They would all lost their son. But God spoke. They listened and obeyed, and He did. Imagine that you are next in line to sit on the throne of Egypt. Does that mean I'll get one of them fancy hats or black eyeliner or whatever it is, all that stuff? The most powerful nation on the face of the earth at that time. He gave up all of this willing to be a reproach for God and willing to be mistreated with the people of God rather than enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. You're talking about the flesh. I think God gave him the ability to fight that. He endured as seeing him who is invisible, just as believers today are willing to believe in an invisible God. For that which will be made visible someday. In this life we live, God wants us to have everything that we can have, see everything we can see, be a part of everything he wants us to be a part of. If we get to the place that we, um, we walk with him, then we can ask him, Lord, show me things. Let me see that. Let me hear that. Let me, let me understand that more. God will do it. And that's why there are all kinds of prophets and men and women of God who are leading us and who have seen angels and who have had encounters and have been in heavenly places. Because we are looking to the reward someday, aren't we? What would we do if we didn't know that God was preparing a place for us? That even though whatever we're enduring now, someday we'll end. Praise God. Praise God.
Praise God. Praise God. You want to keep on enduring suffering? No, thank you. I just told you you weren't going to, and you just sat there. <laughs> I had to tell you to say it. What? We were listening intently. My mom would have spanked you. She always said, I'm going to spank you. And I said, You don't have to catch me. <laughs> Daniel the Courageous. He closes Daniel is among the greatest men in the Bible because he was willing to die for his faith. He was not going to change his worship and who he worshiped just because of the threat of losing his love. Daniel in the lion's den is a supreme example of willing to die for something he believed in. Even with the threat of being cast into the fiery furnace, he didn't blink an eye but obeyed God. Now today, I only got about four more lines and I'm done. Today is a different day in the life of the church. I just finished a book on the apostasy of the church. And scripture greatly talks about it many, many times that what will come. And this isn't being negative. This isn't wanting to paint a bleak picture. This is just telling you the truth. That it says many will fall away. The very elect can fall away. And many will, and the church will change their, their belief system. And that there will only be a remnant that will be left before. And this is happening before our very eyes. Not only in just in our denomination, but there's been many denominations. And people are changing their philosophies, what they what they think, and people are wanting to design their own Jesus, their own God. They're, they're saying, this is what the Bible says. This is how we interpret it, and this is how we will live. But God has said many times that you can never never change his word. I think uh, in the very last uh, of Revelation, the, the Lord speaks um, about if anyone, and if you don't mind trying to find that for me, Tiffany, anyone? he says, anyone who changes any of this is in big trouble. Oh. I have to take a that. And so it's going to be difficult as these people to be faithful. A lot of, a lot of churches are saying that Jesus was not born of a virgin birth. I think it's Revelation twenty two nineteen. And they're saying a lot of things about how the Bible and Jesus has changed. And 
so it is, so it is coming. So to be faithful will take everything we have. And we don't know what will come to any of us. I personally believe in the rapture. And I know some people that is pre-trip, some people are mid-trip, some people are post-trip. I just want to make it to heaven. And I want to be faithful to the very end. 22? 22, verse 19. The very last page. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds anything to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes words away from this book of prophecy, God will take away from him his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. He who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. What I just read is that God's word will never has never changed, will never change. If we come to the place that we don't believe that what he has wrote, I didn't say it, God just said it, none of them will see the kingdom of God. Hear me? That means, unfortunately, some great ministers who at one time believed it and now are saying differently. There is no way that we can ever believe anything other than what the prophecy said. If we do, we won't go to heaven. I didn't say it. God did. So even with the threat of being cast into the fiery furnace, he didn't blink an eye. But God, obeyed God rather than disobeying God, but giving worship to God that he knew didn't exist, that he knew it existed. Daniel even reprimanded the king. Daniel's faith was unshakable. And it's a time of great shaking a great time of not knowing in some ways what to believe or who to believe. A great time of not really knowing what to do. I read constantly um, everything I get on this subject, and there's a new group called the Centrist. You know, we have the, um, the evangelical, the moderate, the progressives. Now we've got the Centrist who says, if you sin, that's okay, but if you don't want to sin, that's okay too. <laughs> what church is that? I like it. Is that like going, no, I'm not making fun of this, but is that like going to confession on Saturday and then, and then doing the sins on Monday through Friday? What kind of church is that who says it's okay if you sin and if that's what your choice is? They, we're, not, we're talking about, but sin no more. Isn't that what God said? And these people say, either way, we, we like it. So repentance has become something that people don't like. 
or to talk about sin if people don't like it. And we all sin, and we all do things, and we all say things, and I've done more than my share. But the good thing is the Holy Spirit has, has always spoke to me. And by the prayers of maybe my family and my daughter and whomever, I was able to see the light, repent, and ask God to forgive me and to go on living the best I know how. And sometimes every day I'm asking God to, well, we should every day ask God to forgive us. Mm -hmm. Because we do a lot of things that might not be bad, but sometimes we sin because we didn't obey God. And I don't think sometimes we think about that as in when God says to witness or God says to do this or that. We didn't do it. So it's all a sin. It takes God to love God. It takes God to help us read our Bible when we're so busy. It takes God to help us do love things. That's why um, a lot of times I'll call you immediately because God brought you to my mind. And I don't want to wait another second because you might be in trouble. So praise God for the faithful who had that walk with Jesus. Of course, some of them were with Jesus and some were with Jehovah from the Old Testament, but all the same. And so the closer they walked with him, the more they knew the truth and they walked by the truth. And they believed that God would save them. Well, who could walk in the fiery furnace? Who would want to be shipwrecked? And who would want to do any of those things but so loved God that knew whatever direction that he took them, that it would be right? And even if they had to get their head cut off as John the Baptist, I got a feeling John the Baptist is doing good too. We have people even today, you know, and it has been brought out here recently with that young man, Otto Warmer, that was released from North Korea. And seeing some of that on the TV, there are people in those prison camps right now that are being tortured because they're trying to put the word of Jesus out there. So we need to pray for those prisoners yes. of war, is what I call them. They're in prison camps. Yes. They're being tortured. Yes. And, and it's a war in our faith, yes. you know, that um, they try to, to spread the word of Jesus, and now they're being tortured. Yes. And um, there was a lot of that that has come to surface. Yes. One man has been released and is still, is still fighting that battle yes. for Jesus. Yes. Um, even after he, you know, he could have curled his tail and ran and hid in a hole, you know, yes. but he didn't. He went right to the battlefield again. So, you know, on both sides of it, we just really need yes. to pray for those folks. Yeah. I wish I knew, could think of his name right now, but there is um, one pastor. Um, matter of fact, I know our president tr is trying to get him freed, and he is in horrible bondage, who had, was a missionary to this land, I can't think, sorry, 
and is um, is being detained, and everybody is trying to um, to get him free. How hard would it be 